Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, where we discuss all sorts of things Germanic heathenry related. My name is Jesse. I'm your host. Let's get into it. All right, folks, here we are yet again, getting closer and closer by the minute, by the by the second, by the day, by the hour, by every increment of time fathomable to the end of 2023. We're a month and a half away by uh, modern day reckoning, at least, from the end of this year and the end of season four of the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. So we've only got a small handful of, uh, of of shows left. So it's pretty wild to think about, you know, season four, um, four seasons, four, almost four years of content coming out here on the, on the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast in various formats, you know, um, most recently now, thanks to my patrons on Patreon for being uh, a supporter in that fashion, pledging at least a dollar a month to get the video podcast coming your way. A very special thanks to my uh, all of you, all all of the tier patrons, but a very special thanks to my chieftain, scald, and a seer tier patrons. Um, you guys and gals are true rock stars for wanting to contribute um, that much towards towards this content, and I greatly appreciate it. Um, for all of you listening on the audio platforms, you too can become a patron on Patreon for just a dollar a month or just a dollar at each time. If you want to watch one episode or a few episodes, you want to pledge a dollar and then not renew that dollar pledge, uh, you're free to do that. It's no problem at all. Um, but to catch the video versions, you'll you'll want to come over here on Patreon and pledge that dollar um, and watch what we got going on here um, in the visual formats. Um, <clears throat> one other thing I do want to mention as we do approach the end of the year, you know, uh, a lot of folks are thinking about holiday gift giving, um, holiday gifts to provide to your loved ones, your friends, your family. Um, and I just want to remind everybody um, that I do have merchandise available at MidgardMusingsStore.com. Um, not only that, which it's, you know, it's available year round. I don't talk about it on every episode, but not only is it available year round, but it is available specially. At a, at, a, at a discounted rate. So if you guys go over to MidgardMusingStore.com today up to the end of this year, so the very last day that the special is running is December 31st, um, you have up until the end of the year to use offer code uh, or promo code YULE23. That's Y-U-L-E-2-3 at your checkout, uh, and you will get a 50% discount on your purchase. So if you're thinking about wanting to get some merchandise for yourself or for loved ones or, you know, there's other gift uh, items there as well. It's not just apparel, um, but anything that is on my store now until the end of this year, if you use the code Yule23 at checkout, you get a 50% off uh, deduction on your order. So it's definitely a good idea if you're thinking of wanting to, to get anything now uh, and you've been thinking about getting merchandise. 
uh, from me. Um, now is the greatest time, at, uh, if if ever, <laughs> to, uh, to to get yourselves hooked up with that because again, I'm running that special. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And um, what's today's episode going to be about? Well, today's episode is going to kind of ride off of the coattails of last week's episode where I gave the sort of rundown or summary of Fire on the Mountain. I told you all last week that the uh, next episode or, or upcoming episodes might include other folks who were in attendance uh, at Fire on the Mountain this year. Um, and this week's episode is going to be a sort of reliving the memories of certain things, certain highlights maybe, um, we're, we're with Papa Olofsson. Uh, co-host of the event, uh, co-founder of the event. Um, he had, you know, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Papa Olafson, I don't think Fire on the Mountain in it in this version at least uh, wouldn't wouldn't really exist, you know. Um, and I can say that with assurity because I was there when the first Fire on the Mountain took place. Just you know, a visit between uh, him and my family and his and his family, you know. So. The, the the fire on the mountain thing uh, as it is today wouldn't have been a thing had it not been for that initial meeting, you know, so forever grateful to have Papa Olison in the position that he's in and, and, and working in the capacity that he works um, to to provide such a an auspicious and, and meaningful event every year. Um, this year being, again, the third year. Um, I guess technically the third year, but the second official fire on the mountain as its name you know we we count the first year of us meeting as being kind of like the you know the seed planted for fire on the mountain but this this year's event being kind of the the official second um return of it um hopefully many more to come but yes papa olison is going to be joining me here today uh we're going to be talking about some things some memories about fire on the mountain and, and trying to elaborate a bit more on uh, some of the things that that stood out to to us, and I, I mentioned last week's episode that you know we, or at least I, wouldn't share certain things um, at that time <clears throat> because they weren't brought up in in any other sort of form. Uh, since then, there there have been a couple of things brought up at least that you know we might be covering today. Um, don't want to count the eggs before they hatch, sort sort of thing. But I do know that at least in another uh, forum, there were certain topics talked about um, that I refrain from talking about on the podcast that now that they're kind of out there, um, feel like it'll probably be fair game to talk about it today. So there's more to come, more details to come about uh, this year's Fire on the Mountain with Papa Olofsson today. Um, so stick around and be sure to, before you go, check the description of this video. If you guys are watching this on the on the Patreon platform or if you're listening, uh, check the podcast show notes uh, for some other links uh, that you can follow to not only support what I do, uh, but also support Papa Olofsson and what he does. He, he of course, has the Fjallvatir uh, workshop and Fjallvatir.com that he does all of his crafting through. Um, and it's and it's amazing stuff. It's amazing uh, heartfelt products that he puts his his uh, his heart and soul into. Uh, crafting. So check all that stuff out in the, again, podcast show notes or the video description down below. Um, and then, of course, as always, you know, check out my stuff in, in the link tree link that you see down there. So we're going to go ahead and welcome uh, Papa Olofsson in today um, from Fjallvatir. 
Facebook.com, Fialbatier Workshop. Also, the co-founder of the Sacred Trail Society. Might be talking a little bit about that today um, on the podcast, too, in case you guys are wondering. So, again, it'll, it'll all be linked down there or over here or wherever you find it. Um, so check it all out. Um, but, yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Papa Olison. Um, and let's get into today's episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. And folks, we are here joined today on the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, a return guest, a return friend, and an always welcome brother, Papa Olofsson of Fjallvatir.com, Fjallvatir Workshop, and Sacred Trail Society. Welcome to the show, Papa. Thank you for having me back on. Always an honor, always a pleasure. And it's great to see you, of course, long distance, face-to-face, -face, but, you know, Coming off of our our recent Fire on the Mountain retreat and leadership summit, meeting you face to face once again, being reunited uh, mm -hmm. face to face, it's uh, it's always welcome to to see your visage here in any sort of way that we can get it. So thanks for taking the time and being available today, and come back here and kind of relive some memories, you know, um, <clears throat> revisit those experiences of Fire on the Mountain this year. I'm excited to talk with you about it and reminisce you know i feel like if it was an in-person thing we'd be sitting around a fire doing this mm -hmm. very thing that we're doing absolutely you know you gotta have a fire gotta have the fire I got, I got a little bit of fire going over here you know what i mean i keep that keep that candle lit keep that fire on the mountain burning as it were yep. you know got a little bit of one right here too yeah absolutely absolutely well, I don't know if you saw, but you know, last week was kind of like a, a summary of events that I tried to capture from like point A of us arriving to point B of us departing and mm -hmm. sort of captured some highlights that I thought were worthy to to revisit in, in, in a sort of summary uh, type of thing. Um, and thanks to Sid from Inner Demon Media, who you partnered up with to do your guys' Talking with Heathen show every week. Uh, we had a video that was a retelling a bit of the tales um, accompanied with some drumming and, and stuff. So people got a chance to listen or, or, or see um, some highlights of, of, of that event, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I think you on. both did a, a wonderful job um, with your episode last week and that recap and then um, Sid's retelling of the event and picture and video and sort of his forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very wonderful work from both of you there. Yeah, he did a really good job compiling everything together. And I liked how the way that he put it together was, um, you know, chronologically or sequentially, like from when, you know, the the, the hut and then the hike and then the, the river immersion, like all the various things that happened, they kind of were shared in a uh, very prose fashion, right? From one thing that started at the beginning to the way things sort of ended, at least what we were able to capture, I thought it was really well done and uh, appreciated his artistic uh, approach to it and in, in, in capturing in that way. Um, but man, I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about <clears throat> fire on the mountain for, for, for 2023 um, ever since I've gotten back. It's, it's kind of one of those, for me at least, it's one of those embers that keeps burning, you know, in my memory. Um, I think about certain things and um, I've, I've rewatched that video that he made uh, countless times for that reason too, just to kind of relive the memories 
Um, and I, I think one of the things that we wanted to do here today with you having you here is is to kind of re, you know relive the memories together um, and, and talk about some some highlights or points that that you had that when I talked last week on my episode on some of my highlights, you know, what were some of the highlights for you? And, you know, just, you know, you, 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 one of the, I think uh, one of the interesting things for you is, you know, you, you live on site where fire on the mountain was hosted. Um, so, you know, for me and, and for others that kind of arrived, experienced, and then departed um, and, and, and relive those experiences is the experience of fire on the mountain for you, you know, different being a resident of the grounds where it was hosted or, you know, is there anything that uh, sticks with you or that, you know, you can't help but remember maybe going to a certain place or, or walking to a certain area that kind of triggers some of those experiences or memories for you being, a, again, a, a, a resident of the area full time? Well, uh, start from the start. The, the planning itself is a little bit different. Um, you and I have been getting into this, what, three years now? Yeah. And uh, we work very well hand-in-hand hand in coordinating and planning and uh, getting all of these events set up that we're going to take on during the retreat. And I know you guys throw, go through a little bit of your uh, pre-retreat planning. You've got travel plans to make, taking off work, getting packed up, all of those things. Whereas mine's a little bit different. Like you said, I'm here on site. I don't really need to pack up, but I do some other things, uh, preparing the grounds, um, setting up to host and receive guests, um, asking the blessing of the, the land spirits here and uh, letting them know that we're going to have some company and uh, ask them to join me in bidding that company well. Look out for everybody, take care of everybody. Uh, please give us the same respect that we're going to show you uh, in our time here together. Yeah. I thought that was it. I'm glad you brought that up because like when I mentioned last week um, for all, for, for all of us that were traveling, right. The, the majority of the folk who attended this year's retreat arrived um, on a Thursday, but the day before the majority of us arrived, you had already done preparatory work. Like you just mentioned, you know, um, welcoming the the land vitir the land spirits the the local residents the unseen residents perhaps you know you prepared an altar you blessed the land and, and did all those things uh would you care to talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you again being a resident and sharing space full time with those spirits was it any different for you to prepare for our arrival than any other time um not so much it would be just about like if we were to have any other event, um, if we were to host a feast or uh, any other style get together, the land spirits are here. Uh, we're on borrowed land. We're mm -hmm. going to be here and we're going to die and uh, our body's going to rest in the ground. But those spirits are here. They've been here. They're going to be here long after we're gone. We're just kind of here in between. So I like to include them in anything that happens here, especially any sort of changes. Uh, mm. Sometimes the the land spirits can be almost like a cat spirit there they don't get happy about change or something different it's a slower world i think uh, in the trees and the grass and the the plants and animals everything's a little bit slower so any sort of change that occurs is drastic mm. 
in a way to prepare them for that change, make them aware, um, ask them to be included in that so that they're a part, not just something that's happening on their space, on their time, but an invitation to take part, a shared experience. Yeah. Now that makes sense, right? Because I mean, <clears throat> when when we talk about space and time and our experiences within such constructs, I've talked a number of times on other episodes and other content that you know sacred space and time is different than profane space and time. But the profane space and time that we live and experience ourselves in kind of coincides with the the spirit realm right they're still we're they're, they're, they still exist in profane space and time yet their experience of that space and time is different than ours being unseen spirit um so i i like the fact that you called attention to you know the things that happen are a bit slower right they they exist in the the the, the seasons the turn of the wheel that that sort of thing when and then you got folks like us that come in and it's like wow we, you know we're we're setting up camp we're we're doing all these various things we're we're drumming we're we're consuming food we're fellowshipping we're having all these things that otherwise wouldn't have been part of their repertoire right um and and kind of letting them know ahead of time like they're welcome guests right we're we're all here to experience something beneficial and you know, come join in this experience with us, I think is a, a great way to connect with those unseen spirits. And some of them are seen, right? They, they exist, I feel, in, in some ways in the scene, right? They, they inhabit some of those bodies, as it were, right? Whether it be the, the, the ravens that fly overhead or the chickens that come around and... You know, the chickens uh, wanted to hang fun. out, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I do want to uh, grab something real quick because I want people to understand a little bit more when we're talking about me blessing the land that consists of me asking of the land's blessing. I'm not blessing the land for other people. I'm asking the land for the, its blessing. That's what a land blessing is. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, because like you said, you know, we're on borrowed uh, borrowed time, borrowed, you know, space, it's uh, custodians. Uh, would, you, would you, would you, would you agree that in a way uh, we are custodians or we have custodianship of the land, right? Yeah. It it's, it's, it's not ours to own. It's, it's, it's our, our responsibility to care stewards. For and we, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we embodied that through the activities, through the, through the speeches, through the various orations, things that we, you know, the people, right? The men that, that, that came to, uh, to experience this, like we knew early on that this was uh, not only a shared experience amongst the men, but it was a shared experience amongst us and the Vakir, the spirits. Um, and we invite them into, to experience that. And I think it really, uh, I think we really, you know, through through your efforts, right, uh, prior to our arrival and, and uh, everyone's activities and, and participation and things going forward uh, from our arrival, I think that that was understood and it was respected. Um, again, as, as a local full-time resident of the area, um, do you feel that the Vaytir, that the spirits that reside there 
accepted our our uh, our presence favorably. I feel like I did. I just am curious what I think you felt. So. Absolutely. Uh, nobody. We didn't. We didn't have any bail. <laughs> nobody got hurt. Uh, there were no yeah. accidents. Um, there was nothing amiss in any sort of way. And there was always, there's always a ton of potential for accidents to happen, no matter how careful you are. Somebody could be uh, walking along and just trip and fall. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't experience any of that and even pushed it a little bit. A lot of walks in the dark, um, up and down uh, the hill, through the fields, uh, yeah. out into the meadow. Them yodies. Yeah, we were surrounded by coyotes um, yeah. just about every night of the retreat. Uh, yeah. That was a treat in itself to be able to sit out there, but know that we were safe and hear them uh, all through the night, just cry out in the dark. Uh, yeah. It was a beautiful thing to just sit in the quiet, uh, talking quietly amongst ourselves and to hear them uh, having their own conversations going on out there. Yeah. I have a funny story too about coyotes. Um, I may have told you guys I think I, I did. I tell you guys about when I was a kid, uh, when I first moved to the to the house that my parents uh, eventually created for our home and where my mom still lives to this day. You know, the land at the time, this is, you know, 25 years ago, it was like 97 when we first moved up there. You know, um, it was much more wild than what it is right now. It's been a lot of the a lot of the wild has been taken out of that area because of neighbors and, and other factors um but when we first moved up there you know my my dad being from the east end of long island um didn't know the first thing about really like hunting uh or, or pest control or anything like that he just thought well i got a gun and i you know i got you know this kid meaning me my son his son right we're gonna go out there and we're gonna call up some coyotes and um we you know <laughs> we went out there one night with a 22 rifle and, and, a ra and, a, and one of those like rabbits in distress calls where you blow on it and it bleats and it sounds like a rabbit in distress, which sets the coyotes off, right? That's like their song. They're like, heck yeah, it's dinner time. So anyway, he thought it was a good idea to go out there in the middle of, you know, 17 acres of land that he owned at the time and almost dusk, you know, the sun's going down, it's almost dark. And he's like, yeah, give a few rips off of this dying rabbit call. <laughs> And then you go, man, the woods come alive and, and, it, and it's like we're surrounded by uh, by coyotes. And um, he quickly realized that this was a bad idea. Like we're in their territory now and all he's got is like a, 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 a again, a 22 rifle with, you know, a, a small magazine, like five, five rounds, maybe. He's like, what the heck am I even doing out here? Let's go back home. Um, but it does. It puts into perspective, like, you know what are you doing out here with, with these native spirits that and now you're just going to move what to come out here and play, try to try to mess around with them. I mean, it was a lesson learned. I think we never did it again. That was like a one and done sort of thing. Like he's like, no, nah, we're not going to do this ever again. That was a bad idea. You know, I think there was, um, it was either the first night or the second night of the retreat. Um, we were out and everybody was kind of just in, fellowship at the time we were in between uh, mm. ritual that we were doing and uh, yeah. I was with Walsh and he was talking but I could start to hear them uh, come up and I asked him to to listen for a second 
And he said, what is that? I said, it's coyotes. And then he said, well, what are we doing out here? <laughs> that's a question. That's a valid question. Like, what are we doing out here? There's coyotes, right? We're in our, we were in our protected space. Um, yeah. The group of us were all together. Nobody had gone astray. There was nobody out by themselves or uh, we were there with the protection of the, the firelight and um, just all of us there together. And collectively we're a little bit bigger than a possum or a raccoon. So mm -hmm. they've got so much out there to eat. They weren't too interested in us food wise, maybe just curious, but uh, yeah. they weren't about to come into camp or yeah, anything like that. Everybody was safe. Yeah. There was, there was no, there was no imminent danger, you know, with, with seven of us, like I say, with the fire and just the, the presence, right? Um, yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of fire, um, one of the, one of the one of the big like pivotal moments for 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 me at least was because and, and I mentioned this in the in the uh, kind of the intro to this episode was, you know, this is this is year three mm -hmm. of fire on the mountain, but technically, like we we calculate fire on the mountain in this itera iteration of it as the second one because the first one was you and i and you and i met in person for the first time at a moment that what has now we realize become the seed that planted the fire on the mountain retreat um and the first year right so technically first year but it was just between you and i and, and our respective hearts right my wife came with me and I was obviously we were we were introduced to your your clan, um, but we we participated in a in a space, and then last year's we participated kind of in the same vicinity of the space, um, and then we carried fire from that space to this year's space. The ceremonious aspect of carrying fire from one place to another for me that was one of the biggest highlights of the event, making it so ritual, rit, 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 ritual-esque. Um, it's not like we just parked our asses in the ground and lit a fire in the new space. We, we started from the old space and we carried that fire ceremoniously to the new space. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, like how, how did that ceremony play out for you? Like how, how did that strike you? again knowing from where things started with you and i to to where things are now like how did that how did that hit you the very beginning is one of my favorite stories overall in all of uh, what we've done over the past three years is that that seed that initial uh, effort and that work there uh, you and your wife were coming through uh, weary travelers that time uh, you had another destination in north carolina and we were talking and I said, hey, uh, let me make you up a guest room. And instead of stopping off for the night at a hotel, save a 120 bucks and just uh, come bunk up here and get you some rest and finish out your travel the next day. We'll feed you a meal. You guys arrived. We got to sit down and eat together. But then we're in a way compelled to go out and uh come into ritual together. We went out mm -hmm. and we started that first fire uh, under that canopy there. And there were runes and we were barefoot in the dirt and the drumming and uh, 
just the fire itself in that space. And it was really something special, special so much that we wanted to share it with others and continue. Uh, this has a tradition uh, year after year after year. So here we are now in uh, year three, based on that one uh, meeting together there. Yeah. But as far as the, the fire procession, that carrying, um, in the last few years, we've made some changes here. Uh, on the property and new facilities and the hut and new grounds and uh, things that are great for us to utilize, especially for a larger group. So this year we decided to move from last year's location to that hut area where we've got a big uh, fire pit set up down there and seating and uh, other facilities down by the ponds. It's a great area, very special place to me, uh, but it was also very important to pick up where we left off, if we're going to continue this year after year, uh, to pick up where we left off last year, where that fire uh, was held and where we gathered around, where we uh, cooked that organ meat and shared it together and sat and spoke and spent time in fellowship. All that spirit is still there. We didn't want to leave it there. So we're picking it up and bringing it along with us. We started that fire back in that same location from last year and in a procession or a parade uh, carried it through the dark by torch through mm -hmm. the field and uh, lit the new fire and the new location to uh, begin the official 2023 fire on the mountain yeah and if you don't mind i'd like to kind of paint a picture for the viewers or for the listeners um about what that procession kind of looked like because that wasn't anything that got recorded in its moment it, it, it i don't think it could have been recorded in any sort of valuable way through electronic technology, you know what I mean? But to paint a picture of it, um, you wanted the procession to be carried in a very specific order. Mm -hmm. you, you know, who was first, who was second, who was last and this and that. Um, would you mind maybe elaborating a bit on the reason why you chose to go with that order of things, right? Why did you want so-and-so here, so-and-so there, etc., and the significance behind it, the purpose behind it, perhaps? Uh, without getting into each position specifically, uh, the reason for the procession order is to pay respects to our individual uh, kindreds, our, our tribes or uh, organizations um, we all have a system in place or uh, an order to our things and uh, the order for the fire procession was to pay respects to that and it was beautiful i thought you know like to, to give people kind of an idea um the fire that was led from the place of origin to the new location where we all assembled um those torches were, were carried by you and I, respectively. Mm -hmm. uh, which, again, pays kind of an homage to the origins of the retreat. Um, what, what, what has become the retreat, you know? The two original, <laughs> uh, the OGs we, of we it all. You know? first fire together. Yeah. We started that first fire yeah. together. I'm here with um, my men who wanted to participate in this year's uh, spiritual retreat and leadership summit. You were here with uh, your men. Uh, participating in this year's so um, 
sort of a, a theme that developed that I wanted to hit on was that lead by deed. So I couldn't think of a better way. It wasn't that we were in front of everyone else. It was our responsibility to lead those people who have our trust to make sure we get through the dark where we're supposed to go, where we need to get to light that new fire. Yeah. And what, what a tremendous responsibility that thing is, right? That deed is to, to kind of be on the forefront, right? The first amount of, and like, if, if you want to look at it on like a deep level, right? Um, leading a procession through the dark or leading anybody through the dark, right? Any sort of danger, any sort of pitfall, anything that could potentially um, come up in the front to, uh, to, you know, injure or, or hurt or deter anyone behind, it's going to come like, we're, we're going to be the first ones to, uh, to acknowledge that, to, to, to receive it. Um, it's a huge responsibility to, to kind of be in the front, right. To, to, to take that position of you follow me uh, and, and I'm trustworthy enough we're trustworthy enough, right, to be followed, and and they know like we're we're not going to be taken into some sort of detrimental space. Like the trust that the people that we've tied ourselves to, and 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 the trust that we share with them, right? It, it's such a holistic experience. I think it's you know it's hard to put into words in a way, you know, like. You trust me enough to to carry this torch in front of you to know that I'm not going to put you in a hole. I'm not going to take you down some inescapable path or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not going to walk us off a cliff. I'm not going to yeah. walk us into the briars and the brambles. I'm going to, if yeah. I see a root or a stick in the way, I'm either going to move it myself or give you a heads up. Hey, watch out. Yeah, this we're going to be the I'm we're going to be the first ones to hit that challenge, and we're going to be the first ones to accept that challenge and then make sure that those that are in our trust are, are equipped to, to get through it together. Leadership is a position of responsibility. Yes. And no matter how many people you've got behind you or following you that have your back in case you do need to fall back and it's your responsibility. If you're going to take that point position. Yep. And we had strong, and, and that was the other interesting thing too, is almost like how a pack of wolves kind of travel, you know, you have, you have a strong person in the back too, Zeb, you know, I think he took up the, the tail end of the procession, um, rightfully so to kind of make sure that everyone was okay along the way, you know, you had people in the front to kind of illuminate the way and you had someone strong, um, in the rear to make sure that nobody fell behind and that if there was anybody that needed help, you had someone strong there to, to pick up where, where it needed to be. Right. It was, it was a very calculated thing. And, and I, I know I just, I just, I just keep reflecting on that procession and thinking about how meaningful it all was. And Zeb is my other guy from off our host that was with us for the retreat. And I yeah. approached him about taking that position in the procession. And so it was sort of a split responsibility between myself and him um, in our position of hosting here uh, to take those positions in the procession. Yeah. The procession was a beautiful thing, man. And I, and I, and I, and I applaud you for 
presenting it the way you did and 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 for everybody who participated i know that everyone that watches or listens to this podcast will have been there and know what we're talking about because they were there they experienced it but um huge huge applause and, and shout out to everybody that that was present for that procession um and that was that was that was kind of the 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 thing that lit it off you know what i mean the fire was set the fire was brought the fire was established in our new site and then we go from there like that night was a night of we we, we drummed together we 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 gave our respective orations our speeches our our charges that we were all respectively charged with you know in the hut which i think is a beautiful uh representation of equality amongst leaders you know it's a circle right it, it, it kind of like reminds me of that old uh you know king arthur tales you know the round table where we 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 meet at this space as equals as peers um charged with certain things charged with specific things given the opportunity to speak i loved your uh, application of the of the the speaking stick or the talking stick mm -hmm. um which is an indigenous native american practice right you want to talk more about that and why you incorporated that into into the the retreat this year since that's kind of your yeah, it's, a, it's a simple thing but it's a wonderful tradition especially when you've got a large group of people together uh, especially a large group of people that know each other and haven't got to see each other in person for such a long time it's easy to get carried away in conversation um, talking amongst yourselves even in a circle even in a, a gathering uh, to talk to the person beside you but in order for everyone to get the respect that they deserve and the attention that uh, their oration or their speech deserves it calls for everyone to pay attention and be respectful and that talking stick is a wonderful tradition in accomplishing that. Right, because everybody who has the talking stick, um, it's it's all eyes on them. It's everybody shut up, listen to what the man or the person who has it says. And I believe that it's a it's a time honored tradition, especially amongst indigenous tribes um, in various, uh, you know clans or various tribes right like that that's a universal thing like if you have the talking stick it's your turn to speak and everybody else shuts up and listens and yeah, because i could be going through something and right in the middle of it you think of something that you want to throw in there like hey hold on a minute i want to it prevents that it lets the person speaking have their full turn their full time to speak and then after that's finished then you go it also helps teach patience mm-hmm so if it was important enough for you to want to interject, it should be important enough for you to be patient with and be able to remember uh, when it comes to your time to speak. If it yeah, wasn't that important and you don't remember it, then that's just how it goes. How it goes. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the structure of Sumbul in a way, mm -hmm. um, because depending on how strict you want to go with the order of Sumbul, I mean, there are there are some who will get very um granular with the structure in the order of sumbul down to the fact of where people get seated who speaks first how the uh, order of sumbul goes right uh, it can become a very structured thing which is great um and it and it, it, again it, it kind of 
echoes and, and mirrors in a way the, the the tradition of the of the talking stick is is when that person when that person has the horn when that person has the cup whoever it is right it is their time and and the talking stick kind of echoes that responsibility in a way uh to me in the, in the, in the northern traditions of things you know so, so i like that. you're here are a little more a little more laxed um i've never really put a structure or an order to um, positions or spaces or seats. One thing that I will do is if I know someone's participating in someone who has never done it before, it's their first time, I'll position them to the right side of me. If I'm leading or beginning, if I'm uh, going first in the first round, because we go sunwise or clockwise. So that gives them a chance to hear me speak hear the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person. And it gives them an idea of, uh, how to go about conducting themselves in Sumble before it actually gets to their turn. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they kind of get a, a a run of the run of the run of the uh, what do they call it? Not run of the mill, but like yeah, they kind of get like a, a an understanding of what's about to happen. Because I think different groups, different collectives will. If, if they hold stumble, right, they, they might do it different ways. Um, and it's up to the host, I think. Yeah, ultimately, I think for anybody listening or watching, right, if you go to a, a collective of people, and they want to talk about doing stumble. I mean, the 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 stumble gifa, the the stumble giver, usually the lord of the hall, is is kind of the one that dictates the order of things. Um, so, in respect of of your hall, right, we 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 play by your rules. So how you know, Papa Olofsson does Sumble might be different than how myself and, uh, you know, Hurdy Folk does Sumble, but it's ultimately up to the Sumble giver, the, the Lord of the Hall, however you might, you know, describe them as, as, as how that order goes. Um, but again, like the, the formality of it, there's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. It's not just to be, you know, let's, uh, you know, give everybody their, positions their titles I, I i felt that titles and positions when we when, once we opened up fire on the mountain um in the last two years i feel like titles and positions are honorary they they are acknowledged but it, it's kind of a loose thing you know what i mean and i, I remember your man zeb you know uh, I, I would pop up here or there or whatever like, oh, chieftain this chieftain that i'm like hey guys you know it was a neat acknowledgement you know, of, of the person. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't like, that's right. Everybody stand up for the chieftain or any kind of ridiculous thing like that. It was, it was a respectful acknowledgement, but it was also a very casual assembly in that, in that right. You know, we were leaders in our respective areas assembled together um, in a summit for a reason. And we met on that level in a circle in a in a round place even this even the seating around the campfire was circular you know um i feel like that was significant too i don't know if that was specifically thought out with 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 it all but i feel like just thinking back on it and reflecting reminiscing you know like the whole circular motif um meeting on that level area but in a circular fashion was um was right you know i like the word appropriate mm -hmm. 
I tried to be purposeful in everything, setting up, uh, getting ready, being prepared, uh, whether it be the fire procession or seating or other accommodations, uh, appropriate and with purpose. Yeah, and you and I have talked a lot about purpose, you know. Um, do you feel that the purpose of Fire on the Mountain, Stier on the Court, 2023, do you feel that we met the purpose for the retreat? Um, absolutely. Uh, talking with everybody collectively after the retreat, and also on a personal level individually um, and hearing the feedback from each person's experience, uh, I would definitely say that purpose was met on many different levels. I would agree. You know, um, I, I got a chance to be reunited with kindred spirits, you know, yourself, of course, my, 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 my tribe, who I traveled with, um, my law speaker, my Gothi, Patrick Walsh, who flew under our colors um, and arrived flying the flag of Flurity Folk. I blew the horn upon our arrival, and, 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 and Walsh was, was, was tasked to kind of hold that banner out, right? Flurity Folk has arrived. Um, I think, at least from my end, all right, you know, speaking on behalf of my people, I think that there was a beautiful representation of, of brotherhood, of fellowship, of understanding what the obligations that we took between one another were, you know. Um, you got to experience some things with some of some of my people that I didn't even get a chance to experience, mm -hmm. you know. You had a chance to to run down the mountain at full blown, <laughs> full force, you know, running down the mountain with my tool. Um, what was that like for you? What was that whole experience like? That was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. Um, I don't normally uh, get to do that with a hiking partner. Uh, I've usually got Sin with me or the kids, and they've got smaller legs. So their yeah. pace is uh, set a little bit different uh, unless I'm out by myself and I usually don't get the gumption to go full speed back down the mountain uh, when I'm out by myself. But uh, I got a phone call while we were up at the top and I was needed. We had handled what we were up there to handle. And so we had come to a point together where uh, the rest was just enjoying the time, the space, enjoying the fellowship. We had all made it to the top by that point when I got that phone call. So I made the decision to take that up and come back to uh, the grounds here. I know that uh, Patrick likes to get out on the trails and he likes to run. And he smoked us last year. Uh, he did. On our walk up Stone Mountain in that tropical storm. He was... <laughs> way up there but he was in his element he loves it and that's his way of connecting with nature and so i asked him if he would like to come along with me with the understanding that i was not going to walk back down but i was going to run it yeah and he said yeah sure let's go so we said our farewells and uh, set pace and we're talking uh, 
over 2,800 something feet in elevation um, in under a mile in distance coming back down. We made pretty good time. I reckon so. I reckon so. Um, real quick for everybody listening and watching, um, you know, we're joined here with uh, Papa Olofsson, uh, again, co-founder of what has become Fire on the Mountain, um, Fjallvatir Workshop, and Sacred Trail Society. I've got about a 30-second long thing here real quick that I'm just going to share with the listeners and the viewers um, about what Papa Olofsson does. Um so we'll be back in about 30 seconds. I'm just going to play a real quick 30-second clip for you guys to understand a little bit about what Papa Olofsson does. And we'll be right back after these messages. Yalvatir Workshop is dedicated to the old ways, offering a wide selection of animist ritual supplies, divination tools, altar goods, and home decor, including premium reindeer hides imported from traditional herders in northern Finland. Whether you're just starting your spiritual journey or looking to expand your collection with a custom drum, we have everything you need. Visit our online store at fjallvatir.com and discover the beauty of Mountain Spirit. And that beauty of Mountain Spirit, my man, um, you guys can capture that wholeheartedly, you know? And that's, and that, that's one of the things that I just want to, call attention to guys i mean for, for the listeners and the viewers uh when i talk about fjallvatir workshop or if i if i mention papa olofsson or any of the things that he does it's you know yes he's he's a good friend yes he's a brother of mine you guys know when i talk about kinship titles i don't i don't go all willy-nilly with that sort of thing um but the pieces that i own some of which you see in the background here um and and the the pieces that you heard in in last week's video right the, the 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 drum circle i mean all of the all of the sounds that you heard are from pieces that he's created he's crafted um and i stand you know proudly behind the product it's 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 not to to be coy in any sort of way or to try to drum up business. I mean, you do, you do that well enough yourself, sir. But the fact of the matter is, 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 you know, what Papa Olofsson does through Vial, through, through Vialvatir, what he offers to the world through his craft is it speaks for itself. Um, and, and, you know, you, you embodied that you know, on the mountain, on stone mountain, when uh, you know you took you took a group up one side of the mountain, Zeb took another group, myself and and my uh, my Gothi Wolf uh, up the other side, um, and we kind of met in the middle. That was that was a whole thing in and of itself. I think that's worthy to to mention here at least or talk about at least. You know what was what was the experience like from your end coming up that steep grade incline up the other side of Stone Mountain? Just real quick, before we even get into that personal experience, this is one of those things that we schedule and plan for ourselves. Um, there are obstacles as opportunity uh, in facing that. Here's another O word ordeal of doing something challenging, doing something to push yourself. It forces you to come into your spirit when your mind says no, your body says no. You have to come down to your spirit to say yes and to see you through. And so we plan a lot of these difficult things. 
um, that hike is one. It may not be difficult for some listening who have experienced it before, but um, it's not an easy hike. Uh, we did that split group uh, to experience different sides of it. Uh, that one section, it's under a mile long, but it's a climb and elevation of almost 3,000 feet. Uh, Patrick is an avid hiker and trail runner, and he talked to me a little bit about that trail, and I wanted to um, give him the opportunity to experience it. I've talked a little bit about it with him before as we talk about different trails and their difficulty levels. And he got really excited for this one. I was telling him about the pitch, the grade. Um, there are some sections that the trail stops and it's just the bald uh, mountain face, that granite dome. And the only thing getting you up are posts driven into the mountain uh, with a wire. Dang. He was super excited for that. He wanted to take that on. So we did, we split those two groups and uh, we took on the one side and we had Patrick Walsh with us who challenged himself in that difficult, difficult side. And collectively we made it to the summit in under 30 minutes. We were You're rocking. Pushing. And right there, nobody got left behind. Nobody ran ahead. We did it together, just the same as uh, your group did uh, coming up the other side. You guys did it together. Yeah. And at the top. Yep. And that was the beauty of it, you know, um, being being together with a group on on that climb, you know, that 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 summit, um, and being met with that feeling of I don't think I can do this. And, uh, you know, again, prior to us taking that climb, there were there were O's given and O's taken and and an understanding of that. We're not going to give in to this fear or doubt mentality We're we're going to be there for one another to get us through these challenges and get us through these things. And that was one of the things that Ulf was facing upon that climb is, you know, we 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 reached the point where he looked ahead of himself. And he saw that climb up, you know, the, the switchbacks that would have been involved. And he's like, I don't think I can do it, you know, and that wasn't an option. But we didn't, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit last week and I, and I wanted to expound upon it now. You know, you can you can take stuff like that when when someone says or someone feels that they can't do things. You can take it one of two ways. You can. You can take it in this sort of, oh, man up, quit, quit being a wuss, you know, uh, you know, sh nut up or shut up kind of aggressive mentality. Or you can take it in this sort of, I'm here with you. I'm going to be experiencing my own difficulties. You're not in this alone. You can take it in a more of a holistic uh, healing sort of approach. And I feel like if we had taken this approach of being this like, hard ass about it then it wouldn't have accomplished the thing that we were aiming to accomplish uh with fire on the mountain you know this isn't about you know in in some sort of ways it's about finding your inner strength and 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 digging deep and and abandoning this mental block or this physical block and and finding that spiritual strength to persevere and get through it but approaching it in a way that is 
loving. You know what yeah, I mean? There's a there's a time and a place for there's a time and a place for tough love. And if you don't know when those are appropriate, you shouldn't be leading. Right. Uh, if it's just tough love all the way through, you're just an asshole. Do you really think these drill sergeants go home and order their wife and their kids around or their husband or their family the same way they do um, the soldiers in training? No, there's a time and a place for tough love. And if yeah. you can't tell the difference or know when it's appropriate, you should probably step back if you're in a position of leadership. Mm. That was not one of those times or places for tough love. It was a time for brotherhood, encouragement, and giving that man the confidence, knowing that he had people to have his back to get up there on his own two feet, and he did it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much victory that happens when you take on one of these obstacles, one of these challenges, and you conquer it. The personal victory and the collective. And that's what this retreat, this men's retreat is all about. You get these personal victories, but then also get to celebrate victory with the men around you. I got up there and was happy. I was pumped. I was excited. You get up there and you feel the breeze, the wind coming through. You start hearing the ravens. Then you turn around and the person that came with you is right there. They're victorious. That other person's victorious. Then we get over there and there, here comes the other group. You guys made it. We're celebrating that victory. And then all of your individual victories coming up. It was just a great, great celebration. We were all feeling fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of the like exercises of you know building that trust between one another. That and the immersion ritual, you know what I mean, um, which was prior to the to the mountain climb, because the mountain climb kind of happened on the cusp of a pretty rigorous evening prior of of vibing and 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 all kinds of stuff. Where the next day, like half of us were probably like. I don't really feel like doing this. Like some, some, <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Like somebody, uh, another brother of mine, like that, that, that infamous picture of you kind of looking over me covered in reindeer fur on the bed, um, was almost like the, people laugh at that, laugh at that photo more than they like heart react to it. They laugh at it because it's almost like you're, you almost have this, like you Papa, you have this almost look of like, I'm about to take my britches off and like, clap some cheeks from this poor bastard laying here, you know? <laughs> it, I'll, I'll give it here. It's just, it's a, a regular posture. Uh, if I see someone there, I'm leaning over like this. I'm not leaning over like this. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know, but I looked at that as like, yeah, as funny as it is, right? As funny as, because if you know, you know, right? If you were there, you know what happened to me that led up to that moment of me being there. And so it's kind of like an inside joke sort of thing, right? But looking at it from the outside, it's like, nobody took advantage of me. Nobody took advantage of each other in our maybe less than, you know, admirable or honorable states right we we maybe have overindulged we, we we experienced some things and we were in a moment of vulnerability and yet our brothers our folk who accompanied us on these various trials and 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 obstacles our our, our various um you know ordeals and adversities 
were there to present an image of support. Like, I'm right here with you. I get it. I know what you uh, checked on and cared for. Right. And um, that was that was more of what I felt this year than I think I felt in a lot of other you know, experiences. I know um, last year's Fire on the Mountain was a totally different theme. There were different challenges. There were different adversities, different ordeals that we experienced. Um, but this year's Fire on the Mountain was very, like, where's my man? Where's my person? Where's my guy that I'm supposed to be responsible for, right? For me, it was Walsh, right? Um if I didn't see him around or if I knew that he had gone off, regardless of what I was feeling, I was like, I need to go check on him. You know what I mean? I need to go find him. And then I wasn't the only one that went on that exodus. You know what I mean? I was accompanied by Zeb or you or somebody else that was like, where's, where, where is he at? Let's, let's find him. Let's make sure things are okay, right? We, we had the presence of mind to know that as much as we're enjoying this experience, as much as we're having this moment of, of enjoyment and fellowship, that we still share in responsibility to one another. And are we all accounted for? Yeah, there are times that um, between ritual and ceremony and the exercises, it's very personally intimate and it can be very emotional. And so if someone steps away from uh, that circle or that arena at hand, uh, they may be overwhelmed. They may be dealing with a lot that they're not used to dealing with inside emotionally or mentally. And so that's good to have that person right there with you because you're used to stepping away from something and dealing with it on your own. When we experienced that here and someone stepped away, you were dealing with it but with that hand on your back, that pat on your back, that hand on your shoulder. Right. And I think, yeah. And I think that that's a, uh, I think that's an important maybe theme or, or, or something to call attention to with, with fire on the mountain. Right. Because as we talk about it now, we're reminiscing about an experience that we had. Um, but we're also, at least I think between you and I, you know, we're, we're looking at future encounters, future experiences. Um, and that, that theme, that understanding of responsibility to our fellow person, our fellow man, um, will carry on in future iterations of fire on the mountain, right? This isn't just some sort of you know, let's get away and get, you know, effed up to the max and, you know, and uh, us doing our own things like there is there is purpose behind it. And there is one of those purposes is to build those bonds and to establish that trust and, and that frith, that understanding of obligation um, between one another. And I think for those that experience this year, fire on the mountain that it, it it set a standard it set a precedent in a way for future iterations of this right this isn't just about me this is not just about you it's about us yes there are going to be things that me and you experience individually but there's the us factor right the shared experience um 
there was a big there were there were there were big ritual experiences that was about us the if you want to talk about a little bit papa the uh the 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 weapon ceremony the death ceremony that was a that was a huge us mm -hmm. thing right um and i've never experienced i'll just say right now like i've never experienced it experienced anything quite like that and i've had a lot of us experiences you know what i mean and with with other people but that that segment that section of the retreat for this year at least the us factor right um like man i i i can't measure that up to anything else that i've experienced i don't know about you but that 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 kind of uh that one kind of sets a such a strong mark <laughs> on the memory yeah, that um that first bit that you had mentioned um the weapon ceremony it was a influence with meditation or utaseta or setting out uh, we do this practice to go into a spiritual place into that spirit world and um, you encounter things you can summon things to face or to ask questions of in that time there and a lot of people are able to go into this space to face traumas or fears that have been holding them back or have them in a negative space and take that on or challenge that face that um, I guess a lot of people might call it shadow work also mm -hmm. but a lot of people will go into it empty-handed get there and find that this problem is a little bit bigger uh, than the, what they were prepared to face or have the courage to take on. Uh, so we did this practice, this exercise um, with some of our, our personal uh, weapons or things like that. Uh, we each spent our personal time uh, separate in that meditation, but taking those things with us in spirit for the experience to face those things that have been beating us down or holding us back or have caused uh, trauma or negative issues that we've carried in throughout our life or our time as an adult. Um, later on into the night, we got into another sort. Um, it was a, a death and rebirth ritual uh, that we took on. Uh, very, very intimate, very, very emotional uh, to prepare yourself for a ritualistic death um, we had a platform uh, set out for this experience and uh, there was a, a burial shroud that was involved uh, to be covered for a period of time uh, to allow the individual up during the experience uh, that time to themselves to go through those emotions and go through those mental motions uh, to let all those old things die, those old fears, those old negative behaviors, those old things of self that aren't serving or moving forward in a positive, progressive way as a person and as a leader. And then to be brought back to life, reborn from that new, fresh and spirited. That was a very intense ritual. They were they were all intense rituals. And I think one of the things that I took away from the weapon ceremony especially was this idea of we all face things right and and, and 
you know, people face battles and struggles and, and emotional trauma differently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I took away from that ceremony was, like you mentioned, you know, going into it empty handed where we feel like, well, we just have to face it and work through it in a way. But how about we, we approach it ritualistically, ceremoniously, and actually physically equip ourselves with a weapon of war to battle the things psychologically, metaphysically, but carry with us a physical weapon of war, a blade, a, a, some sort of, you know, again, uh, it could be a bow, it could be a staff, could be an axe, could be some sort of physical implement that represents our ability to battle against an enemy. Putting ourselves in that position with that physical implement, it, it, it sets the stage, I think. You know, like it, it gives us yeah, you this. You know about the whole thing entirely different when yeah. you're going and feeling prepared to yeah. take this thing on. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember going into that headspace, right? When, when you, and, and, and here's the thing guys, like listening and watching, if everybody's listening and watching, like the, 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 the preparatory work prior to this ritual, it wasn't like, it wasn't just all willy nilly. Again, it was, you are about to embark on a, uh, on a journey and you're about to face things that you need to face. Don't come back here. Don't come back from exposing yourself to these things. Don't don't return back here until you have vanquished them. You come back a victor. You are equipped now. You are empowered now. You have the weapon of war that you need to face these things. Go into this. Seek them out. Hunt them down if you need to. Don't come back until you have. That was powerful. Like that, that, that preparatory speech, that that setting of the stage sort of thing, for me was like, yeah, goddamn it, I'm going into this thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick ass, I'm gonna win. Um, and you know, not to not to sound like you know, uh, you know, all the 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 bravado or whatever, but it, it was, it was empowering. It was like, I have things that I need to face, and now I'm equipped to face them. And damn it, I'm not going to come back to everybody else here un until and unless I have vanquished those things. Yeah, it was a time. It was time to. Um, a lot of these things will haunt people for years, dog people for years. And you'll make your best effort to face them. But oftentimes we find that we're unprepared when we face them. We're caught off guard. Um for some, they call it a trigger. Uh, we yeah. weren't ready to face it when it popped up. So now we're going to turn the tables. We're going to hunt that thing down. We're going to seek that thing out. We're going to face that thing fully prepared to wage war and win. Yeah. It's no longer going to haunt me. It's no longer going to dog me. I'm going to defeat this and I'm going to be better for it. Yeah. And, and that was the thing that sort of set the stage or that prefaced the death ritual. You know what I mean? It was, and I love the, the, the order of things, the, 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 the sequential order of things. Again, it was so methodically planned out 
I think maybe that when we approached those rituals, that, that, that things were flipped a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, 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 the weapon ceremony and the death ceremony, at least initially were planned differently than what they ended up being at, you know, at fire on the mountain, but it, it happened in the way that it needed to happen. And, and I, and I, I love the way it happened. Cause how do you go, how do you, how do you approach your own death? Right. How do you, how do you go into that ceremony without first addressing the things that have been a, uh, like this demise or, or something of your spirit prior to that, right? You got to address that thing first. And now you're prepared to take that journey to, 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 to ride the road to hell as it were. And this may sound goofy when I explain a little bit of that order, but um, even when you vanquish your foe, your your arch nemesis, whatever you want to call it, that greatest thing that you've ever had to take on, it can still leave that splinter. It can still leave that little bit of touch. It makes me think of um, when uh, Gandalf and the Balrog on the bridge, even though he defeats it, its tail like whips up right at the end. And so it's classic. It's a classic yeah. story all across the world in all mythology that these great battles between these two things, uh, it always ends in obviously the victor being victorious, but then uh, very soon after rejoining that uh, nemesis and death. So this was a chance to win that final battle, have that courage, have that pride, alleviate that fear and then go into the death ritual with courage and no extra baggage. You can go in and be at peace and then come out with that completely gone. Nothing hanging on, nothing residual, no splinter, no uh, tail to come up at the end and grab you at the ankle mm -hmm. to come out absolutely fresh, reborn, renewed. And without that old bullshit, that's been tagging along for years. Yeah. And that's an interesting analogy, you know, because Gandalf and, and the Balrog, right? They are both, <laughs> at least in Tolkien lore, they are both Maiar. They they are they are equal on the energy levels, you know what I mean? Like they are peers and as, as it were. And and Gandalf had to face that demon, that 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 darkness and be victorious over that figure to emerge as Gandalf the White, right? To to be who he became to lead further the 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 the, the company and to serve the company of the fellowship in the capacity that he did. Tolkien nerds out here listening and watching are gonna know what I'm talking about, but it was it was a it was a moment of his existence as a Maiar to be destroyed and to be reborn. Right? He had to face that demon he had to face that darkness he had to battle that thing and he and couldn't have done what he did without having that battle yeah yeah had he if everything was reversed right it would, it would have been uh, catastrophic you know and uh 
I don't know, like for the, for the folks that experienced the death ritual, you know, you and I are here talking about it for those listening, watching that were a part of it too. Everybody's experience was different. Everybody's experience was profound in its own way. My experience so personal. It was, it was so personal. Again, and again, I can't, I can't reflect more on that particular thing um, any differently than I have right now. It's like, the 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 sound of the water the, the being carried on that boat right going down the river right on the road to hell you know there's that river you know that that that, that that's talked about even in the northern traditions that uh separates the 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 realm of the living from the dead and and, and how garm guards the bridge and all this sort of thing right but but traversing that that canal right being carried along that space, having already faced the things that you had to face, reaching that end, being brought back to life by the people that were there to welcome you. I, I, was, I was brought back to life and I faced the audience of brothers and I was embraced by my brothers in a way that I've never been embraced before. You know, it, it, it was... It, I, I, I can't, I've, I've walked the road to hell. I've, I've gone through ritual experiences that have taken me to Helheim, you know? And, and this particular experience for Fire on the Mountain was, it was almost like the cherry on the top, you know what I mean? Like this was something that I couldn't have experienced any other way by any other means. You helped facilitate that through the space that you sanctified through the the agreement the 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 collective experience that that you shared with the vatir right we were all there a part of it it wasn't exclusive they were there a part of it too the spirit of the water the spirit of the wind the spirit of the earth right they were all there to accompany us on these various experiences the, the the these individual experiences that collectively combined at the end provided something that i don't think could be experienced any other way and not to brag or boast but uh leading up to each year the past couple of years i've referred to this prestigious esteemed event as life-changing and it's the experience of a lifetime even i put a lot of work into uh, what we do in hosting here and conducting this men's retreat and i feel it's been very successful in each of the people each of the years that we've held it in their feedback um, seeing them carry that fire forward after the retreat has come to an end um, after that closing ceremony and as they go about uh, their life and how they've lived since and seeing the changes in their leadership and in their person, in their confidence, uh, in their spirit. Yeah, I, I absolutely stand by uh, that it's the experience of a lifetime. I 100% agree. And I'm glad that we got a chance for 
you know, you to come on on this podcast this week and and share your thoughts and and your feedback on it. Again, being one of the core founding reasons why Fire on the Mountain exists, I'm excited to to see and and be a part of what the next version of Fire on the Mountain becomes. Um, the wheels are already turning. Yeah, yeah, everybody. I mean, look, look, look. when when it, the wheels were turning before we even hit the ground, you know what I mean? Like watching um, the planning for each year's event starts just almost right after the end of the previous year's event. Um, yeah, a lot gets tossed around uh, in deciding and making those final. Uh, preparations for how we're going to conduct the retreat. Uh, so almost a year's worth of planning goes into each one of these events. And uh, I just got to say, you know, with, um, with regards to the people listening and watching, you know, when, when the planning happens, you know what I mean? Like if I have to, if I have to give a boast or whatever, you know, it's like all state, you know, you're in good hands. Um, this, this isn't something that is just casually thought about by anyone in a position to think about it. It's, it's well thought out. It's well prepared. It's well deduced. Um, 2024, whatever it's going to be will be a thing of greatness and i'll just put that out there um, so i don't know yet if there will be a part three to fire on the mountain discussions in the form of a sort of live panel live stream i would like to think that there will be um, more to come on that. So for the listeners and the viewers and stuff, if you guys are following along and, and curious about it, um, there have been talks of putting together a sort of virtual panel of attendees in a live stream sort of format to field your questions, your inquiries, right? Um, if you're hearing all of this and you're watching all of this and you're wanting to know, you know, what it means for you personally, um, I don't know, like there's there's talks of, of that to happen, whether it happens before the end of the 2023 year or whether it happens at the beginning of 2024 or whenever. Um, I feel like something will happen. We have yet to determine those exact specifics, but I know enough of the grit of the people behind all of this to know that we want information to be available and accessible uh, to people. You know, and, and we want to take this seriously and we want to approach this in the way that we've approached this in the last three years. Right, Papa? We, we want to take this seriously and we want to, you know, approach this with, with, the, with the amount of piety and benevolence that is due, this sort of thing. We want to carry the tradition on strongly. We want to carry that fire on the mountain beautifully and, and provide opportunities for those that... Um, need it right so i guess that's all i have to say um for this week's episode papa do you have anything else that you want to add 
Um, not a whole lot other than uh, to thank you for having me on to uh, talk a little bit with folks about our experience at this year's uh, Fire on the Mountain Retreat and Leadership Summit. I'm very much looking forward to the 2024 event and also uh, hope that we can get that uh, panel together. I think that would be a lot of fun and a great opportunity for those out there watching and listening that do have questions or would like to hear uh, some of the other guys' experiences and their their take on the various things that we've talked about, or maybe even some of the things that we've missed. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I'm inviting everybody that's listening and watching now. Um, if you have questions about this, uh, you know, virtual panel of of the attendees of this year's uh, 2023 Fire on the Mountain, if you have questions, if you have ideas, if you if you anything that you want to share, you have multiple ways of doing so. Um, Best ways possible would be to, to send an email into the podcast. That's uh, MidgardMusingsTN at gmail.com. You have a written opportunity to, to share all of your thoughts. If you want to call into the hotline, 615-671-9832. Um, you got a three-minute limit, um, but you can call back as many times as you want and share your thoughts. But again, I think the best uh, the best way possible would be to compose your thoughts and ideas or, or, or questions and put it in written format um, and stay tuned because we'll be uh, we'll be in touch with those who uh, who couldn't make it to this week's episode, but that were nonetheless pivotal and important to the success of the 2023 Fire on the Mountain Star on the Court, right? The star map uh, theme of this year's summit. And we want to address your questions, answer your questions. Um, talk about things that you have in mind. Um, so send them our way, MidgardMusingsTN at gmail.com um, would probably be the best way. So everything that we talked about this week or, or on this episode rather is, is linked in the uh, podcast show notes. There's going to be links there that you can check out. Uh, for those of you watching on the podcast on Patreon, check out the description area. Um, for, you know, Fjallvatir Sacred Trail Society, we alluded to it earlier in the podcast, but Papa, I mean, Sacred Trail Society, that's, it's, it's more of a, a lifestyle, right? It, it's, it's more of just going out and doing things, you know, be a part of the custodianship of our sacred land, right? Take care of picking up trash, right? Like just be a presence in that aspect, right? Yeah, we may not have been um, the person to throw that thing down on the ground or leave that trash behind, but neither was the person that's going to come after we do. Yeah. So we can do our part to make that experience sacred for them. Um, the shared space that we have, it's dwindling. Um, the natural spaces, the land, the trees, they're dwindling by the day uh, as communities are developed and spaces are bought up and taken and um even now here in North Carolina, we're about to use so many acres of protected wetland um, that has now came up to stop being protected and will be sold to be developed. So even things that are under protection right now are being reversed and sold. We've got to take care of what we have while we have it. And yeah. we owe it to everyone around us and ourselves. 
and especially the land. Absolutely. We, 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 again, we are, we're, we're on borrowed time. You know, this isn't our land. This is their land. And we're, we're blessed enough to have the opportunity to experience these things. So even if you didn't make the mess, pick it up. I, I do it dozens of times on the river here near where I live. I see, I see, you know, messes left by people who I don't even know, but they, it ain't my mess, but I clean it up and it ain't your mess. You can clean it up nearby you right even if it's just a, a small you know plastic bags worth of of litter you know you can make a difference and and that's what sacred trail society is about it's about taking custodianship of this sacred land all of these trails are sacred all of this land is sacred um and step in be a custodian pick it up even if you didn't make the mess pick it up Right. It's going to make for a better experience for those that come behind and after you. Um, you can use a hashtag Sacred Trail Society if you want to kind of catalog that on your social media. I know that's a big thing for a lot of folks these days. Um, hashtag Sacred Trail Society. You can tag the Facebook page or Instagram Sacred Trail Society. And feel free to share pictures of your efforts. Help us to motivate and inspire others to uh, take action and lead by deed. We can talk all we want to about it, say all the pretty words, all the the grand um, speeches about conservation and protecting our wild spaces, but it's going to take action and it has to start with us. So, yeah, feel free to pictures or post those pictures of your efforts, you leading by deed and taking action, getting out there and doing the right thing. Help us to inspire and motivate others to uh, join in on that. Hell yeah, brother. Lead by deed. The biggest thing that I could take away from in terms of just a, a quote or, 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 or a thing from Fire on the Mountain, right? Lead by deed. Do the thing. Be the thing. Right? And those that want to will follow. They, 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 they'll, they'll pick it up. We'll, we, we all are a part of it, you know? Um, so thank you, Papa Olofsson, my brother, for, for being here this week. Um, on the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. I appreciate you and your time. Um, you guys be sure to check out the description and show notes of this podcast to follow this guy on all of his stuff. Get his stuff. It's it's the holiday season. I mentioned earlier on, you know, I, I got merchandise you can buy. But more importantly, um, make sure that this guy has, has, has a lot of work to do. <laughs> make him busy. Because that's his livelihood, you know. Give him, give him the opportunity to craft wonderful things for you and yours. Um, he does great work. Again, you see a lot of his stuff in my background. Um, you've heard a lot of his stuff in my content, and uh, we stand by it. So, thank you, Papa Olson, for being here with me this week, and thank you all for listening and watching uh, this week's episode of the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. Until we talk to each other again, may the gods continue to notice you, and may your ancestors smile upon you. We'll see you next time.